Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel South London. You can visit us at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org. I'm asking everybody if you could take your seats, please. I'm asking, you know, you know, like my voice is already squeaky, bro. I've put a little bottom on my, on my voice. Because, I mean, my voice, my son's voice is deeper than mine. All right, everybody, you want to take a seat? Boy, them sofas look comfortable. Was it first come, first serve? <laughs> okay. Amen. See, the benefits of arriving early. Early bird catch the worm. Amen. Okay. All right, well, welcome, everyone. My name's Robert, and um, I'm one of the privileged pastors here at South London, working together with the body, um, contributing my minimal gift just want to say welcome if you're visiting it's nice to have you it's nice to see some faces that i haven't seen for a minute still and um we rejoice as you're sitting down i'm gonna go ahead and pray so we can get started because it's hot in here father thank you this afternoon for your goodness thank you that it's consistent it's perpetual even though the clock struck midnight um the other night and we entered into a new year you don't change lord it's new horizons, but you're still the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And we rejoice in that stability because you're stable and we are now in you. We find great stability in our own lives that we testify to. And we rejoice in, particularly, Lord, because of your grace through which we've accessed that. So. We pray that you'd bless our time together, Lord, or continue, I should say, to bless our time together. And as Marky prayed, Lord, allow your word to speak to all of us, me included, Lord, I pray. For Jesus' sake, amen. Would you turn with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 12. No overheads today. I'm going to keep it simple, I hope. Hebrews chapter 12, and we're only going to look at three verses. <clears throat> and the topic for this, our first Sunday in the new year is inspired to run inspired to run and my hope is that all of us will be like forrest gump at the end of this message you know what i'm saying as we begin or should i say as we continue to run the race that is set before us amen amen so if you're with me hebrews 12 starting at verse 1 through to 3 reading from the esv therefore can you hear me clearly you need some more volume. No, no. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us closely and let us run with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary 
or faint-hearted. When it comes to running a race, how many of you know that we need encouragement? Because the race that we run ain't like a regular race. And one of the things about the race that we run is there sometimes aren't literal prizes immediately at the end of every single opportunity opportunity that we have to run. Therefore, we need encouragement. Because sometimes we don't see the end of the race. Ultimately, we're really not going to see the conclusion of our complete race until the end. Because it ain't over until it's over. And it's not over yet. So when it comes to the race, we need encouragement. And just in a natural sense, there are three ways that we can be encouraged when we endeavor to enter into running a race. One, we can be encouraged because you know what? Others have done it. And because others have done it, that means so can we. It means so can I. It means so can you. Others have done it. The second thing is just think of what it will do for your physique. That is running a race. Or at least training that leads up to running that race. Think about how that will affect your body physically, naturally. That's the second thing. The third thing is watch and learn from who? Well, if it comes to running, you want to watch those who are doing it the best. Watch and learn from the best. Three things. Others have done it. Just think of what it will do for you. Watch and learn from the best. These three points will be illustrated from our text today. Now, with a little bit of context, because we're jumping right into a book that we're possibly not that familiar with. The original recipients of this letter were converts from Judaism to Christianity. And although they had expressed trust in Christ, their faith was weak and it was waning. And understandably so. They were experiencing great trials and there was a temptation to apostatize, which means to go back and return to what they were familiar with, which for them was the law of Moses. This Jesus stuff, it was, it was becoming difficult to hold on to it. And it was easy just to say, you know what, this is too challenging. Let me just go back to what I'm accustomed to, what I'm used to. If you just turn back a chapter or two to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 to 39, listen to the writer commending or speaking to them, encouraging them because of where they're at. Verse 32, Hebrews chapter 10, a couple pages back. He says, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Now that word endured is going to come up a few times. He says, remember, recall those early days. You know, like when you first got saved. Recall those early, verse verse 33. Sometimes you are being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. Ouch. And sometimes being partners with those so treated. Ouch. Verse 34. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one that was future. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. 
For you have need of, and here's that word again, what? Endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Remember, he's writing to these believers. Verse 37, 4, yet a little while and the coming one will come and he won't delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he or she shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him or her. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. See, the writer of this book, <clears throat> who is anonymous, attempts with great clarity and craftsmanship to present reasons why these believers ought to persevere in the face of difficulty. Why? Because Jesus is better than anything that they were accustomed to. That's what he's trying to get across in this whole letter. The Old Testament was pointing to something, to someone greater. The old covenant or the old agreement was only a shadow of the good things to be found in Jesus. The writer outlines throughout the book that, first of all, Jesus is God and he's higher than the angels. He's greater than Moses and all of the prophets put together. He's greater than Aaron and all the priests. And Jesus institutes a new covenant. A better covenant based on better promises since Jesus is a better mediator providing a better sacrifice who functions in a better tabernacle. Jesus, the writer is saying, is so much better. It's one of his favorite words. And in these verses, we will be encouraged to do three things. One, look at the winners. Two, look at yourself. And three, look at Jesus. There are quite a few <clears throat> important messages being communicated in this chapter. One of them, as I mentioned, is endurance, seen three times in our text, which we will come back to. Two other themes in chapter 12 are, check it, athletics and citizenship. Athletics in verse 1 and 2, and sit, which we just read, and citizenship later on in this chapter in verse 22 and 23. In the modern and ancient world, you could, well, you couldn't represent your country unless you were a citizen. You couldn't represent your country unless you were a citizen. That's, those two themes are heavy in this chapter. The other theme, endurance, ties these two themes together. Repre being a citizen of the country and representing that country, endurance now ties those things together. And if you like, we're saying, be faithful in the race as you represent your country or your spiritual country with endurance. Be faithful in the race as you represent your spirit spiritual country with endurance. Next year, I mean, wow, next year, right? We're already talking about next year. Can you believe it's 2012? And we in the UK will be hosting, what did I say? What did I say? Oh, next year's 2012, right? Ah, oh, you see, bruv, you're sleeping. <laughs> see, and we will be hosting the Olympic Games. And it still remains, check it, ancient and modern, it still remains an honor to represent queen and country, right? How much more representing king 
and heavenly country. The imagery still holds true. It still holds true today. And we must learn to identify true parallels when we see them. Many of the New Testament writers, they had an appreciation for their surroundings. If the Lord Jesus was here, he'd probably be using like football pitch as an illustration. He did that consistently throughout his ministry. And we know that because even the other writers of scripture, they constantly use similes or comparisons. Um, um, Zach Zach um, slept over, that's Pastor Patrick's son, slept over by my house last night. And him and my son Jordan got together and they both wrote a song together, wrote a rap together. And um, the rap kind of talks a little bit about, um, if I remember correctly, chewing gum. is. Look, this is, this, is, this is an advert for you guys because they said they want to put it up on YouTube and get a thousand hits. Um, and they're talking about chewing gum. And they use all of these similes and metaphors communicating a message about chewing gum. It sounds really simple, but it was, it's really an interesting song. And it's amazing how rap can do that, right? Well, the Bible's fuller rap. Or aspects of metaphoric, symbolized um, language. Comparing a Christian life to common everyday examples like being in an army, right? Ephesians. Using terminology like soldiers and the battle and war and combat. How about being like a bride also in Ephesians? Talking about weddings and engagement or betrothal. And Paul says in Corinthians about us as the church, the bride of Christ, being pure and chaste like a virgin. You see the similes and the comparisons. How about being like a family? Christians being brothers and sisters or spiritual children because God is our father. Similes, the family. Undoubtedly, the Lord Jesus was the greatest of all illustrators, talking about sheep and shepherds, wolves and goats, brides and bridegrooms. He said he was the bread of life who had living water who came to give captives freedom. You hear the similes? He talked about fruit, leaves, trees, and vineyards. He talked about catching fish, threshing wheat, and harvesting crops. He talked about farmers, seeds, soil, and fertilizer, all metaphorically. And the writer of Hebrews, he does the same, using the analogy of a sporting event. He uses words like run, and race, and endurance, and weight loss. And with regard to this race, we want to do three things, right? We want to look at the winners, look at yourself, ultimately look at Jesus. First point, let's look at the winners, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, as you've heard us say a million times before, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, what must you do? You need to back up and see what it's there for. Evidently, back in chapter 11, we have what has been termed the Hebrew Hall of Fame, right? Just like a sporting Hall of Fame, the Bible has a faith Hall of Fame. On the wall, you see a plaque, and it lists all the giants of football or of track and field or basketball. And next to their names, the dates that they won, whatever it was that they achieved, right? That's Hebrews 11. And rightly so. It's a great list of all those who have run with endurance, completing their race. Men and women, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses, Gideon, 
Rahab, Jephthah, who we heard about a few weeks ago from Pastor E. Samson and David, I put them both together because they both fell horribly, but made a good recovery. You ever seen a man drop over in a race and pick up themselves and keep running? That's them. See, there's hope for all of us. And then Daniel. And this is not an exhaustive or a complete list. It's just a snapshot of a few of the faithful. Because, or given that, therefore, or since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, keeping it in this context, he's writing to contemporary believers of his time and includes himself, right? But it relates to us in our time just the same. It's to them, but for us. So I could say to you who are here with me today listening, since we, like them, who are being written to, since we are surrounded to an even greater degree, because the cloud of witnesses has grown to become even greater 2,000 years later. I mean, on that list, you don't have all of the New Testament apostles and disciples and and all of the great men of the, of, of the past, the early church fathers. You go through to the, the Dark Ages and the Reformation and Luther and, 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 and Calvin and then come through to Whitfield and Finney. All them great men right up to people like Billy Graham. They're not even on the list, but they added to this great cloud of witnesses. That is, those that, check it, witnesses. Those that testified, because that's what a witness does, right? Or live the life that bears testimony to the glory and the honor of the king of their country to which they have their citizenship. And the king is Jesus. Those that testified faithfully, they may not have been sinless, but they were faithful. And there is something that they all did that enabled or allowed them to be successful in completing their race. Now they made two types of sacrifices, two types of personal sacrifice. And when they didn't, we saw that we see the implications, right? But two things, one, they had to deal with unnecessary weights, and two, they had to deal with what? Sin. The writer says his hearers need to do the same. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin. See, one of the first things about this is, one of the things that doesn't help us in the race is excess weight. Excess weight. First of all, body fat. We need to tone, we need to train, we need to exercise, we need to change our eating habits in a natural sense, right? And that's probably some of your New Year's resolution trying to deal with the body fat. That's one of the things with regard to excess weight. I know I am. The second thing, unnecessary clothing or apparatus like heavy baggy sweatpants. It's all right when you're training because you want to burn the weight off, but not when you're running the race, jogging bottoms or hoodies because you need to be light and you need to be aerodynamic. You see them runners nowadays? They're running in these full lycra bodysuits like spandex. <laughs> they, even got, they even got aerodynamic glasses that they wear to reduce friction. See, they want minimal drag. What does this equate to in a spiritual sense? 
Well, Luke chapter 8, verse 14, talking about the parable of the sower. Some call it the parable of the seeds. I like to call it the parable of the soils. Chapter 8 of Luke, verse 14 says, Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, they go out and are choked. How? With cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Matthew says, cares of this life, the cares of this world. And he adds the deceitfulness. It's just not just riches, but the deceitfulness of you know, you know, riches are deceitful. I ain't got time. Luke 21 verse 34 says, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap sitting people when they're walking through the jungle and they don't realize and they step and BAM they hit a trap and it's too late why did I step there? it's too late asking them questions you've been caught and snared by the trap he says watch yourselves now it, dissipation is overindulgence. Coming out of the last season, there's a temptation for that, isn't there? I think we all realize that. And drunkenness. Now, this drunkenness is literal or metaphoric. You know what it means to be drunk, literally. But metaphorically, you can be inebriated or intoxicated without drinking a rum and black. You can be intoxicated by the cares of this life. I tell you, I went and I tried to do some, some New Year shopping. Oh, my gosh. Honest, about five times while I'm, when I was up there in Oxford Street in some shop somewhere, I had to stop, hold my head and rub my eyes. It, was, it literally was painful. I thought, gosh. I mean, and I do enjoy shopping. I do like to spend money, you know what I'm saying, hopefully wisely, but... It was too much. I was overwhelmed. Anybody experienced that this, this year in the, in the sales? No. <laughs> you're either hard-nosed shopper, you know what I mean, Ex you're a professional shopper, or you didn't bother. And it can be intoxicating. That's the negative kind of side of it, but there's the other side of it where you're just caught up in the hype. Whew, I, I see people... On, one of, my, one of my, my nieces, my cousin, sorry, used to work in Next. And they used to open up at, is it five o'clock in the morning? Yes. Something like that. And they've got places that you can go to, these places like, help me, is it, they've got a place in Ashford, like a retail centre. They've got one in Bista in Oxford. You lot know about that one? Uh-uh. Yes. I heard someone went down there and it took them four hours to get there. And then when they got there, they had to queue up to get in every shop. And you can, and that, and the experience of that, you can get caught up in that. I've been caught up in that. The I want that item or I want that thing. And boy, I see people in the queue in front of me, and I'm thinking, boy, are they gonna pick up that jacket? And it's gonna be the only one that's my size. And when I get there, there's ten of them, and none of them don't fit me. Caught up in, and, and you can be intoxicated and forget about your scruples. Start elbowing people and bouncing them out the way and pushing in the. In, I lie. See. Cares of this life. These ain't sinful things. But they can cause us to become drunk and intoxicated to the point where we become dull spiritually and desensitized. Is that true? 
things that are not necessarily sinful can become an impediment if not carefully monitored. Things that are not necessarily sinful, just unspiritual encumbrances. You ever heard about barnacles? Uh, was it Tintin? The, the, the sailor brother used to talk about blistering barnacles. Barnacles. They're sea creatures with a cone-shaped shell. They're marine crustaceans that permanently attach themselves to hard surfaces. You ever seen Pirates of the Caribbean? All right, all right then. In Pirates of the Caribbean, you see some of them kind of dead men that come back, right? They're ugly looking. One look like a hammerhead shark and some of the other. And they've got all these things stuck to their head and they've got all seawater drop, dripping off them, right? Because I think they live underwater or something. This, the things that are stuck to them, barnacles. Barnacles. Like, <clears throat> they not only stick to, well, they don't stick to people normally, but normally what they do is they stick to rocks and they can stick to the underside of ships they stick to hard surfaces these unwanted hitchhikers can slow down check it even the largest naval or commercial ship to such a degree that they need 25 to 30 percent more fuel marine organisms can also corrode or damage ships barnacles one of the reasons listen to this one of the reasons Nelson defeated the French at the Battle of Trafalgar was the British ships had copper-bottomed hulls. The bottom was made of copper. The reason? Copper is toxic and no living thing can grow on it. So all the barnacles and limpets and seaweed couldn't grow on the hull and slow it down. Thus the British ships were faster than the French who were weighed down by all sorts of little creatures hanging onto them. Barnacles cost the U.S. Navy up to $1 billion a year. Yeah, not million, billion every year. Barnacles. What is the cost that we pay as Christians in a spiritual sense for the barnacles in our lives? More often than not, it's the seemingly insignificant things that prevent our progression. And how I know that's true. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. So therefore, let us lay aside. Now you see, that's an active verb for those of you that love grammar. It's an active verb. It's a doing word. It's not a passive word. It's you have to do something. And in this spiritual race, compared to a typical natural race, we need to also lay aside, check it, another hindrance. Can you see it there in verse 1? I already asked you, and no one, I didn't hear anybody say anything. It's so small, you can miss it. But missing it's, but missing it's, if you miss this, its ramifications are disastrous. It's that little big word, sin. Isn't it interesting that this, that this sacrifice is hardly one that comes up on the radar as far as popular modern day sport is concerned? How many prominent sports personalities consider the issue of morality in conjunction with their workout regime? Every time I see Katie Price, she's always working out in the gym. Well, how about working out your salvation, Katie? 
How many are restricting their scruples as they are in their diet? Not many. Tiger Woods, John Terry, Wayne Rooney, to name but a few. May these scandals not be named among us. Albert Barnes, who's a well-known commentator, says, as applied to Christians, it means that they should remove all which would obstruct their progress in the Christian course. Thus, it is fair to apply it to whatever would be an impediment in our efforts to win the crown of life. It is not the same thing in all persons, right? We all have different things that impede us. My impediment is not the same as yours and vice versa. In one, it may be pride. In another, vanity. In another, worldliness. In another, a violent and almost ungovernable temper. In another, a corrupt imagination. I tell you, I had to fight this. When I was sitting down last night on my computer, went on some, I just searching, doing a word search. Doing a word search and some pop-up window comes up with virtually nude women. And I was like, why? I mean, there's a part of my wicked heart that be like, hmm. Why they look nice in a bikini? Uh, what happened? I wonder what I wonder what I'll see if I click on this. See, if my if 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 I allow my corrupt imagination to run away with me, I'll end up running away with some woman and leaving my wife. In another sexual lust. Now you can read an extensive list of the sins of the flesh in Galatians chapter five at your own leisure. Ignore it at your own peril. Actually, you know what? Turn to Galatians 5. <laughs> in it. So then I can't say that I, I didn't tell you. And it's here to remind me also. Galatians 5, verse 17 to 21. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Galatians comes after 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5, verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. Imagine if I went and clicked on that thing. I'm supposed to be doing something. Like, this is my part of running my race at this particular moment. Imagine if I got distracted by that thing. I might not even been here this morning. Or I might be standing up here in front of you, hiding and being deceitful. I would have had to at least confess my sin. First of all to God, but then also to... Thank the Lord. I do have sins to confess, but that's not one of them. Thank the Lord. But how easy is it to click on that icon? How easy is it in the security and the safety and the seclusion of your own house, in your own room, put your headphones on and go off into that window, into some other part of the world. What verse was we at? For they're opposed to each other to keep, check it, look. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do, verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, and he begins to list some of them. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. That word is pharmakia, and it's used in Revelation, and it can be akin to 
drug taking. Because pharmakia is where we get our word pharmacy. It's where you go and you get drugs, right? Enmity, strife, jealousy. Sometimes we don't even think about these things as being sins. Je jealousy, fits of anger. Uh, jealousy, we got the kids in. You might be here today and you're a kid and you never got for Christmas what you wanted. And yet your best friend got it. I don't know, the new Xbox 360 with the new Connect thing where you can move in a thing you don't need no controllers. You'd be like, how come he got that? I never got that for Christmas. That's envy. That's you desiring something that you don't have that somebody else has. It's a sin. You need to say, Boy, you know what, Lord, thank you. My parents got this for me and as minimal or whatever it might be, Lord, I just want to say I'm grateful for it. Fits of anger. Oh, Lord, help me. Rivalries. Wow, this is in the ministry. Just not just among Christians, in the ministry. Rivalries. One Christian, one pastor wanting to have a bigger church than the other one. And dissensions, divisions, envy, as I mentioned, drunkenness, which is a sin. It's not a sickness, it's a sin. Orgies and, and things like these. I warn you, says Paul, as I warned you before, that those who do such things who practice such things as a lifestyle, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul in this chapter even lists, check it, religious observance as a potential obstacle to progression in verse 2 through 6. Then he says in verse 7, if you look at it, he says, you were running well. Who hindered you? May these scandalous sins by the grace of God not be named among us. Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead works powerfully within us, Romans 8. Helping us to say no to ungodliness. Titus 2, 11 through 14 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, see, citizens of the kingdom, who are zealous for good works. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. I think the old King James talks about our besetting sins, the ones that we are predisposed to or addicted to, even as Christians. But the psychiatrist will, will tell you that it's something that you just have to learn to live with. The writer of Hebrews says, we need to lay aside and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, there are two important imperatives in our text today. Two important commands. Lay aside every weight and sin. It's a command. And the second is run with endurance. It's a command. Remember, you're actually in a race if you're a Christian. And it's not a sprint, it's a 26-mile marathon. And even the most ill-informed individual knows that there's a difference between the two. 
There's a big difference between a 100-meter sprint and a 26-mile marathon. I know that if you gave me the choice, I would rather run the 100 meters than run 40,000 meters, which equates to 26 miles. Because the difference between the two is 41,742 meters. It's a big difference, isn't it? One calls for a different level of endurance. Endurance is the state or act of persevering. Saying, how do we do this? Verse 2 gives us the answer. Look into Jesus. You want to know how you're going to get through this next year? Look into Jesus. You might have had a fantastic last year. Yet you're expecting that it's going to be an even better this year. Well, if that's the case for you, I encourage you to make sure that you keep looking to Jesus. Because it may not pan out like that. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks' time as we share with you our, just our church address for the new year. Not doing it today because obviously we're in a rented facility. Well, we're always in a rented facility. But we're in, a, we're in a, an unusual facility. When we get back kind of home, quote-unquote, we're going to talk about at least our plans and our vision for this, this next year, for this year. But it involves fundamentally looking to Jesus. First of all, not as an example, which is what we immediately tend to think. Oh, Jesus is our example, that's why we look to him. No, we're going to come to that momentarily. But primarily as the what? As the author and finisher, the founder and perfecter of our faith. See, the one who called us, placing us into the race in the first place. The one who will sustain us throughout the race. The one who will faithfully assist us in completing or finishing the race of faith. Can you see that? You must see that. It's Philippians 1.6. The NIV says it like this. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Look at Jesus. Look to Jesus. He's the author and the finisher, the founder and perfecter of your faith. Now that's encouraging at the start of a new year of uncertainty. Who for the joy that was set before him See, some say the joy that Jesus saw that encouraged him and enabled him to endure. Some say the joy was seeing us redeemed down the corridors of time. The fact that, oh, all these people are going to get saved because of my sacrifice on the cross for their sins. That's what some say. Well, maybe that might be true. Partly, I would say, is true. Others say, in keeping with the text, if you look at the end of that verse... That it was Jesus' restoration to his rightful position that gave him joy. See, Jesus' restoration to and in communion and restored fellowship with the Father. Remember, Jesus, the eternal word who became flesh, had never been separated from the Father. Apart from when he came down on earth in order to redeem us. So the joy for him was to get back to where he was. In not because, oh, I need to get back to my elevator. Yeah, 
give me my throne and where's my scepter? It'll get me and cock up his foot and no, that's not the reason, but that was his that is his position, but he was more excited about being back in relationship with a father, as it says, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See? It was his joy, this joyful expectation. And that helped him. It helped him to endure. Could it be that we could be inspired in the same way? The Bible says that we're seated together with Christ, with the Father, in heavenly places. We're citizens of another kingdom. So first, look at the cloud of witnesses. Look at the winners in the previous chapter. Second, look at yourself. What hinders you? What are the barnacles in your life? What weights and sins are impeding you, are impeding me, that could potentially disqualify us? And third, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. We've just celebrated his coming at Christmas and eventually his death on the cross for sinners, which we all are. He wasn't ashamed to die for you. Are you ashamed to live for him? Looking at Jesus, it means to look at him with faith. Remember, that's the big issue in the book of Hebrews, or the lack of it, faith. Looking at or looking to Jesus. Remember Numbers 21, when the dying Jews who got stung looked up at the serpent that was elevated on the rod, and they were healed. They were helped as they looked. See, and we see this is an illustration of Jesus in John chapter 3. See, looking at Jesus describes an attitude of faith and not just a single act. Verse 3, staying on the subject of Jesus, consider him who endured, and there's our word again, from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. You know, all of the great heroes of faith that you look at in Hebrews 11 throughout the Old Testament all the great heroes of our time and the past hundred years ago, the past few centuries, they're all great. But add them all together, none of them compare to Jesus. And none of us will ever experience what he experienced, yet he continued, he endured. And he's really the one that we look to, and this is where we look to him now as an example that encourages us to continue to run the race. Now it's hot, and I think I've been up here quite long already. So, look at the winners, look at yourself, look at Jesus. Regarding the Apostle Paul, as we finish, Acts 20, we're going to look at it in a few weeks. Acts 20, verse 20 through to 24. It says, and now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. How many of we know? How many of you know we don't know what's going to happen this year? Some of us had a had a, a drama last year. You know what I mean? And we weren't expecting it last year at the beginning of the year. See, if you're not a believer today and you're hearing this, you'd be like, man, I thought church was the place where boy. 
And I mean, it was jump up and all excitement and everything's gonna be all right. Well, the truth of the matter is it is gonna be all right in a way that we have never experienced. That's the, that's the hope that we have. But as much as God promises, a safe, promises us a safe arrival, he also promises a, a bumpy ride on the way there. The Bible says it's through much tribulation we enter into the kingdom of God. And it's good to know that at the beginning of your race, if you're even contemplating getting in the race. You're not a believer. You ain't even, you ain't a believer. You ain't even in the race. You don't even know what I'm talking about up to this point. But you'd be like, wow. But if you want to get in the race, we need to warn you. You want to run a marathon? Hey, sit down. But you want to go decathlon and buy expensive trainers and, you know, jogging outfit and water bottle and matching this, that. No, sit down. Let me tell you what it means to run a marathon. And how many of you know that this is going to help us as Christians make it through the year? Because all the jump up and the, fr the froth ain't going to help us. We need substance to help us. And that's what the scriptures provide us with as it encourages us to look to Jesus. And Paul says in Acts 20, I'm trying to wrap up in it. Constrained by the spirit. Sorry, kids. Not knowing what will happen to me there, he says. But I'm constrained in the spirit. I have to keep moving forward. Paul says, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. This is, this is what I'm called to do. He says, except the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city. Check it. That imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course. And the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify as a witness to the gospel of the grace of God. 2 Timothy 2 verse 7 through 8 says, this is Paul right at the end of his ministry. He says, I've fought the good fight. And it's a good fight. I have finished the race. How many of us want to be able to say that? I've finished. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. As I said, maybe you haven't even started the race. I encourage you to do so. And how you do so is, is by beginning to embrace the one who endured the suffering of the cross and despised the shame for you and for me. So many of us in here, we've come to that point. We realize, you know what? Jesus hanging on that cross, bleeding and dying was for me. You might have just you might think about anytime you think about Jesus. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We just we just talked about Jesus over Christmas. What's the deal? I don't want to hear about Jesus again. Why? You see, the whole the whole purpose of his coming was because of that issue that we said that the writer says we have to lay aside, and it's sin because it's 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 a little thing that's a big thing that's come between you and God, and Jesus come to remove that obstacle. If only you will come to Him and repent. I say, I realize that that stuff is not good. I need to relinquish my grasp on it and lay it aside and accept Christ. Accept you as the one who died for me to take away my sin and the implications of my sin, which is separation from God in hell for eternity. I'd encourage you to get into the race. If you have already started running, regardless of which stage you're at, 
You will need perseverance and fidelity. You will need endurance and faithfulness. We are so prone to look back. Even to the point where like Lot's wife, we want to go back. But throughout this letter, the writer emphasizes future hope. And the need to follow Jesus' example and look ahead in faith. The previous heroes of faith lived for the future. May we do the same especially at the beginning of a new year. Look into Jesus, our example, who inspires us to run. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the plan that you concocted and then executed on our behalf. Thank you, Father, that on the basis of that plan, we've been made citizens of a heavenly country. Lord, help us this year to run our race. It's like, just, it's, it's like another lap. 2011 is another lap. We just completed one lap. 2010, Lord, we come to another lap. Lord, help us to complete this lap and run our race and win it, bringing glory to you because you're the king for Jesus sake we pray Amen